0: Good morning branches. Good to see everybody. Welcome to Sunday. Let's all stand together as we worship. I'll open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now that as we enter into worship that this would be a culmination of worship that's been happening in our hearts and our minds, that this wouldn't be the isolated event where we sing songs and go through motions, but Lord, that we would grasp hold of something wonderful that comes together when two or more gather, when there's unified corporate voices, unified in heart and in mind and in soul, moving towards who you've called us to be. And so, Lord, we lean into what you're doing this morning. We lean into the the way that you're molding this church and all these lives. Help us to be a community together as we sing. Unify our hearts now under the banner of you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus our Savior, amen. Let's sing.
1: Take joy. Oh, Lord, Hosanna 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 in the highest Heal my heart and make it clean Open up my eyes to the things unseen Show me how to love like you and love Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause, as I walk from earth into eternity. Hosanna, Hosanna. Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause, as I walk from earth into eternity. Jose. I'm
0: going to do something a little bit different. I'm trying to foster this community sense here, and I'm going to invite others to pray for us as we finish our worship sets and move into the message. Would somebody like to pray for us, pray for Boog as we start? Now it's hard. Asking you to be brave. Byron, hit it. You got it.
1: Pray for us, Byron. Father, we appreciate you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you for what you've already done for us and who you are for us, Father. We thank you, Father, for this gathering. Thank you, Father, as we come together. We let the Holy Spirit do his work in us. Do his work through us. Let the gifts flow one to another. Let your love flow with all humility. Father, let the word come forth. Thank you, Father, for open hearts, open ears, open minds to receive your word, Father. And we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, doing in our families' lives, what you're doing in our community, in our world, Father. We thank the Lord for your love that
0: you have for us and what you're going to do in our lives today. These blessings. thank you for the name of Jesus. Amen. Man. If you haven't already, say hey. Give somebody a fist bump near you you've been seen in a while, or introduce yourself to somebody. Say hello.
2: All right. So that you guys know, we we um, no one ever wants to sit in the front row, right? I jumped in. I know. Sorry. But see, but see, it's really not the front row, because we put the fake front row here, because we know no one's gonna sit here. So if you sit in those, you're not really in the front row. But that way, everybody knows because we don't want anyone to think that's the front row. So if you're sitting there, you're not in the front row. That's the front row. And we don't, we don't dare anyone this morning, but we do dare someone at some time, 30 minutes in, with either me or guest speaker to just come in and sit right there and freak them out. All right, so um, let me see if it's stuck with you as it's stuck with me. So do not judge... All right, so it didn't stick with you like it stuck with me. Is that what we're saying? (laughs) Last week's message, if you weren't here, you didn't hear it, it was no joke, right? I mean, I talked to so many people that saw it and heard it, and it's one of those moments where I wanted to give it to everyone. Our buddy, Dr. Michael Bischoff, came and spoke, and, and always when we teach, we want to share something that we're fighting through or trying to figure out. And so the message was, do not judge or you will be judged. And his question was, who's doing the judging? So do not judge or you will be judged by who? And then he broke it down so beautifully. He said, look, well, it's not the Lord. They're not talking about the Lord here. And it's probably not talking about being judged by others. It's you judging yourself. And when we judge, then what happens is is we become unhappy. (laughs) It's like when the Lord calls us to his commandments, it's because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. So do not judge or you're going to end up judging yourself. And we all know what that's like, right? It's that constant voice that's there. And he was just showing how, not just from scripture, but also just from science and from evidence and psychology, that those that are happiest are those that do not judge. Sure. And so it's been stuck in my head and I've been practicing it and going through it. And I, he led us in a good direction for where we're headed. And so I want to make sure that we're all heading in the same direction. So, um, Eva, could you put up this question? Because we're getting ready to uh, replant branches with COVID and everything. Every church is going through different things. And we're moving into a new place at the beginning of the year. And so that's how we're looking at That's the replanting of branches. And so we're all in this together. Anyone that's here, like you're part of a, a replant. Um, so... The question is, as we're doing this, and these other people are coming, and that's where I want our focus on, when these people come, right now during this incubation time, what do you need to do to prepare for them? Weird question, huh? Probably didn't see that coming. What do you need to do? Not what do, like it's easy for us to go, you know what we need to have. We need to have someone do some teen stuff, or we need someone to sing with Ryan, or no. What do you need to do? Does that make sense? And it doesn't have to be an activity. It could be anything. But that's where we're headed this morning. No hints. So in groups of like three-ish or more, do that for like five minutes. What do you need to do to prepare for the people that are coming? If you don't want to answer, you're like, hey, I'm just visiting. Why are you asking me to do anything? They just sit there and smile and go, I just want to listen. You don't have to do anything. All right? Go ahead. About five minutes. All right, we're going to bring it back, so if you could turn your chairs and... You'll want to open up your Bibles to Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22. So during my um, uh, combination of my COVID breakdown and my rest time, I was asking this question all the time, like, what do we as a people need to do to prepare for this time. Because the place we're able to move into is just amazing. And there are certain pieces in place and certain people in place that make this, where we know that people are gonna come, but we have to know who we are and what we're about. And so you didn't have as much time as I did to think through this. And so I've had a lot of time to think through it. And I know that so many really good things that we come up with can obscure like the thing, like the capital T-H-E thing, the thing. And so let's listen in to Jesus as he describes this. So he has in Matthew 22, verse 36, he has these, um, it's shared different ways. It was either a Pharisee or a scribe, which is another way to say lawyer. So one of them, they were trying to trick him and so they say, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law and all of the Torah? Like, what's the thing that we need to get right? What's the most important? Like, which is another way to say, what's the worst thing you're not supposed to do? That's another way to say it, right? Because often that's how we think. Not like, hey, what's the most important thing I need to do, but what's the most important thing I need to not do? So who knows where they were trying to trap him, but they were trying to trap him. And so most of you have heard the greatest commandment, by the way. He doesn't say, well, as he's being asked what is the greatest commandment, he does something that we in our culture don't understand what's happening. So he was known as a rabbi. That's how he presented himself. That's how others did. He did nothing like normal rabbis. But here, he does something that rabbis were known to do. So what he does is he takes two Old Testament passages, it wasn't Old Testament for them. He takes two important places in the Torah. And he puts them together. And so um, this was called, You're never this, this is for extra credit points if you ever want to show off, uh, the Gezerah Shavah. And it was a tool that they would use. They would take a word or a phrase from two passages and put them together and show the connection. And it was that word or that passage that brought them together. And so the two passages that he choose, chooses, one is like the mother of all passages, Deuteronomy 6.5. And for the people, it's still very important uh, for the people of Israel today. It's called the Shema. And hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I mean, they, w- they had it on their doorposts. Uh, devout Jews would recite it twice a day. So, like, I've been reciting just because I judge so much. And so that passage, do not judge, or you too will be judged. I'm like, oh, that's right. Don't judge, because then I'm just going to be harsh on myself, and I'm going to be miserable, I'm reciting that more than twice a day, but just minimum, they would do the Shema twice a day. They would just say that passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So that's one of them. So he's got this one. And then he takes this other one from Leviticus 19:18, and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And there's a bunch of other commandments in there as well, but Jesus takes these two and it's important to know the context of those two passages and what's surrounding that. Because what's being said is, is God is saying do this so that, in fact I'm quoting from what is said ahead of this, so that you may enjoy long life. Not meaning so you'll live a long time but that idea of fullness of life. So if you want to be happy, do what I'm telling you to do. Just trust me. So It's that idea of where he says also, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. I mean, who doesn't want it to go well for them, right? Is anybody like, no, I'm good. I don't care if it goes well with me. I mean, this is a loving, heavenly Father saying, just trust me on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors yourself because it's good for you. In fact, he says again here, keep my decrees and laws for whoever obeys them will live by them. Live meaning like have life. I mean, who doesn't want that? And so when they come and ask, what is the greatest commandment, and they're trying to trick him, he takes these two and brings them together. But what brings them together, remember, is a word or a phrase. And so can you go to the next one, the next slide, Eve? Can I call you Eve? Keep going. Well, actually, no, we'll we'll stop here. So this is what Jesus' response is. I just assumed you knew it, but we should probably stop and look at it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then he takes all, everything, everything hangs on this on these two passages, of this greatest commandment. Anybody got a coin? I know no one carries around money anymore, so I don't need a dollar. Bet nobody has a coin, but if you have one, everyone's racing to see who's first. Well, see, now you gotta throw it and I gotta catch it. I can't see in the bright light. Now, you're not getting this back. <laughs> this quarter is all mine. <laughs> no, I should've done that. I don't know magic. So what Jesus is doing is he's saying these two commandments are two sides of the same coin. This is what we should be doing. So they're trying to trick him, and he's, he's like answering them, but he's answering everybody else that's around. These two, everything hangs on this. So if you can go to the next slide now. So to look at it, the thing that's linking them is that you shall love, depending on your translation, but the word... In Greek, the way Jesus intended it to be is future indicative, which would say, you will, you shall. Like, this is the way it needs to be. Not set up as a commandment, that's a little bit different, but more like, this is going to happen. Now, my hope for you is that as you hear this, and you hear this linking phrase, that this would release you. That this would set you free because when it comes to following the Lord, we get so consumed, like, am I doing this right? What else? I feel, we always feel like we're failing, don't we? We always feel like we're not measuring up, and so these Pharisees, who have been taught how to do this, as as Michael shared last week, he said, well, actually, he didn't tell you guys, but he told me, he goes, I've been trained to be a Pharisee. He goes, I'm going to have to relearn everything I'm doing, because we live going, well, I need to do this, and I can't do that, and I need to do this, and I can't do that, and these The Pharisee or the scribe that comes is trying to trap them because they're stuck in that way of looking at life. And it's almost like he's saying, look, just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You shall love. That is what you do. But then we have to ask the question, okay, what does that mean to love? Because when I see the word love as who I am, where I grew up, which is here, (laughs) Southern California, I'm like, so I have to feel love? What the heck is that? How do I conjure that up? I don't know if you think that way, but when I hear, like, you shall love, I'm like, okay, I gotta feel some love. Mm -hmm. And we always have to tell married couples that when they're getting married, like, we know you feel real good right now, mostly. Almost all of them are like, I'm so happy. (laughs) Yeah, that feeling is gonna come and go. So that's not what it means to love. Love is a decision. The feelings, they come and go, but it's a decision, it's a choice. And so to love the Lord your God is a choice. And the choice is this. You remember, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's over by um, the lake, and they've already fished. And then Peter is just, he's already, he's let down Jesus. Meaning, not, Jesus wasn't like, oh my gosh, why did you do this to me? It's more that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, Jesus. And he did. And so he's, judging himself and he just can't pull himself out of it i mean jesus rose from the dead you think that would snap you out of it right no our emotions are powerful so he's still stuck in his little cycle of depression he's focused on himself and so jesus says do you love me and all peter can think of he can only hear that through the filter of his guilt and shame and he's like oh come on you know i love you feed my sheep Do you love me? Oh, why are you doing it a second time? Love my lamb. Third time. Remember how many times Peter denied him? Three times. So he he responds. It's like he's trying to neutralize, like wash this out. Stop thinking about what you did three times. Mm -hmm. Listen to what I'm saying. To love me is to love my people, my lamb, my sheep. Do that. I mean, think of it, parents, Right? When it gets to be Father's Day or Mother's Day or their birthday, really, what are you ever going to buy them? Right? Like, you can never get him anything cool. No matter how hard we try, every once in a while you can find some, the things that make them cry, which, let's face it, that's all our real goal when we give them a present, is something that connects them relationally. And if you really want to love, and I'll just use dad because I'm a dad, and this is the way I think, I don't need a tie, I don't need a cool jacket, I don't need a new bike, I don't need a basketball, I don't need tickets to this or that. I mean, sure, they're nice. But honestly, when I'm looking at my children, there's nothing more beautiful than to watch them love each other. When they get to that point where they start to do things for each other, it's like, oh, that's all I want. That's all I want. That's the heart of God. When he's talking about loving him, it doesn't mean conjure up feelings. It means to obey him. And if you look at everything he's calling to us, everything hangs on this, that we shall love. Love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do that? By loving each other. And then we have to love people, right? What does that look He says, Jesus says at another place, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So how do we love people? What does that look like? When you, if you know the heart of God, you know it because you've seen his actions, either to you or to others. And so, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the most perfect picture that I like to share about God's love outside of what I've experienced is when Jesus describes what the kingdom is like, which is another way to say, this is the way it should be. And he talks about the father who has two sons. And the one son says, like, I'd rather you be dead because then I have all my stuff. You don't don't mean anything to me. You're better off dead to me. So give me everything I would get if you died. Just give it to me now. And then he goes off. And not only does he go off, but he doesn't invest. He doesn't start a real estate business. He doesn't start a lawn mowing business. He doesn't, like, he doesn't buy a house. He just blows it, right? But even if he had invested, it's still like you took it all, and you, look how you treated your dad. And so he lives this life, and it's embarrassment back on the family. Everybody knows about it. And so the son finally reaches that point of desperation where he realizes, I'm not that good of a person. And so he's filled with guilt and shame, just like Peter, just like us, right? We mess up one time, two times, five times, ten times. It doesn't matter how many times. We just can't get, seem to get out of it. So how do we love by the way that we are loved? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this son comes back, and it says the father saw him and ran to him. And we cannot forget the the practicality of what's happening here. Do you think his dad was just looking out the window?
0: Oh, oh my
2: gosh, I just happened to look out the window, and there he is. Guaranteed, that father came out every freaking day looking for his son, because that's what I'm going to do. If that ever happens to my kids, I'm praying every day. I'm looking down the road. I'm driving where they live just to kind of see. But I can't go grab them. It's not going to help them. They need to make that decision for themselves. And so this son makes that decision. This father, he comes out sprinting. And you know what the son is thinking. Oh, no. I know how everybody else does. I know how the world does. He's going to come beat me down. He still has dad strength. And I haven't eaten. I've been eating corn cobs that the pigs don't eat. How bad can that be, right? And so you know he's bracing for the, the hit. Do you know what it's like to brace for a hit? Hey, can we talk? Oh, what did I do this time? Or what if God said, hey, can we talk? Oh, oh. He's going to lay it all out. He's going to lay it all out, and I won't even be able to stand. And so the son is just crouched like this, and the father comes and embraces him. And it doesn't just stop there. He says, you know what, get him the family ring. Get him the family robe. You know that, the best cow we were saving? Oh, it's ribeye tonight, let's go. Let's go, brisket the whole thing, tell everybody. He's restored him. And that son has done nothing to deserve it, has he? That's what this means to love. When we talk about who we need to be as a people, what we need to do to prepare, we need to learn how to love like this. And it sounds nice and it sounds beautiful, as we'll get into later. Why was Jesus always persecuted? Because he loved recklessly like this. And it just always felt wrong to everybody else. So it sounds nice to say we need to love. You shall love as we have been loved. But when we're inviting people that other people are like, really? But did they? Shouldn't they? Are you approving of this? What about that? No, that's not our job. And so this series that we're going to go through, Love God, Love People, we're going to be diving into this reality, diving into this. Like, what does that look like? So how do we prepare for those who will join us? By focusing on this. We need to be a core group that does this, that does our best to live this way. Um, the thing about this is, if you look at this passage, what Jesus is saying is, you love God by loving people. That's who we are. That's what should define us, that we have made Jesus our Lord and Savior, and we are loving him with our trust and our obedience to love others. And the more that we're in touch with his love for us, it makes it a lot easier. Amen. Um, so the first step is to get closer to people. Those of you that know me well enough, this is the scariest part for me. Because when you get close to people, you get wrecked. <laughs> That's just part of the deal. But we can't love people unless we're willing to get closer. That doesn't mean you need to be close with everybody. It doesn't mean everybody needs to be an extrovert. Or like, ooh, there's a hundred people here. There are thousands of people. This is my favorite environment. That doesn't mean that. It means that you're, in, you're very intentional about saying, I will not be by myself. I will be with others. But I will be with others for their sake. See the difference there? I mean, it's a lot easier when they look like you and sound like you and smell like you, but there's that element of we need to cross the boundaries. Like when we break into these groups, we all feel it. I hate asking us to do it because I know you're going, oh gosh, who am I gonna be stuck with, right? That's what always goes through your head. That's why when we always come anywhere and sit down, we're like, okay, can I sit near somebody I know? Nobody ever wants to go away and go, oh, just put me anywhere. Those are like extreme extroverts. That's a next level person. But when we talk about getting closer to people, this is going to be difficult. So we look for ways to also give to people. There's so many ways to do it. We'll get into that later, but it could be as simple as, you know, giving cookies to somebody. Oh, but it's not enough. Who says? It could be trying to just wave at your neighbor. You know that neighbor you haven't talked to in like forever? And so when you had something happen, so neither of you wave at each other, and you you don't want to stare them down because you're past that stage, so now you just pretend like they're not there. And you know if you wave, they're going to be like, what are you waving at me for? That's what you're thinking, right? So you don't want to do that. It's those little things. That's the starting point, the little things. And then in the larger things, it's to listen first. If we're going to be people that love, we have to listen to people, And we've already made up our decisions when we walk in and we see somebody, right? Oh, that must be that type of person, whether positive or negative. We need to listen. We can't love people. We can't give to people we don't understand. I'm gonna gonna do this, and they hate that because you weren't listening. And the last thing I wanna say about this is that don't worry about being flawless in it. That keeps us, well, I can't love people because I always mess it up. We're never gonna do this perfect. That was never the intention. But we understand where we're headed. We understand our lane. It's much like driving. I got to stay in my lane. But we'll all drift every once in a while, right? We'll all look at our phone, or our friend's going to talk to us, or we start to daydream, or whatever. That's life. But we know this is where I stand. I stand with the Lord, and I stand with this commitment to learn how to love. And then as Steph said, because I was going through this with her, um, she's brilliant. And she said, you know how you know how you said that because she was working back with the kids, so she didn't hear Michael's message. She said, You know how he said that it, do not judge, and then you won't judge yourself? She said, very similarly, <laughs> when we love others, we're set free to be loved not just by others, but by ourselves, right? I mean, when you do good, you feel good. I know it sounds like a little, like a little schmoozy and like, hey, do this, but it's true. <laughs> like when you're loving others, when, you're, when, you've, when you start to cycle down, find a way to give to somebody else. And the craziest thing is you find yourself coming out and you start to understand who you really are. When we love, we're set free to be loved. And when we love others, we're more set free to love ourselves. God's good, huh? Like this whole thing just cycles back where it's good. That's why the kingdom is like this. Love God, love people. Let me pray for us and then um, Ryan will lead us. Father God, um, we want to be a light set up on a hill. We want to be a blessing to others, and we always feel like we're way out of our pay range. So we submit to you, Lord, and we know you're going to do it through us. And just show us as a people, help us to challenge each other, help us to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We ask this in our Savior's name, Jesus. Amen.
1: I have kids. There again You so are
0: Let's all stand together and sing out Jesus the name above.
1: Jesus the name above every other name. Oh. Jesus the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, well, we live for you.
0: I wanted to tell a quick story as we close and um, I didn't even really know Bug was going to be talking about the prodigal son story and I was telling Nancy as we were just chatting one night this week that I watched a 60 minutes about these six college boys in 1968 that went on a sailing trip that they thought was going to be a nice ocean cruise and found themselves shipwrecked on the island of Atta. Is everybody familiar with the story? Yeah, I saw, I saw. It's crazy right? And the crazy thing about it is that there are these six college kids that were in an all-boys college that went off on a sailing and shipwrecked. It was, and it, I think where they're, where they're hoping to go was like 400 miles away, so they were not at all equipped to go that far. And where they landed had not really been inhabited at all. It's now known as Ata, but it's a shipwrecked island kind of near and off the coast of Tonga. And... Um, they had to find ways to survive, and it was fairly gruesome, meaning that they, um, they were having to get moisture by, by finding the gulls' nests and killing the birds, drinking blood, drinking the eggs, uh, uh, like eating the fish raw, finding ways to survive. But they found themselves not just surviving but thriving on this island for 15 months before a fisherman that was an Australian on a long fishing trip was well off the coast, and one of the boys was there on the island ocean area and started swimming out towards his boat, which was very far off the coast, thinking, I'm just, hopefully I can get to this ship before he takes off. The fisherman sees him and has uh, flags down the rest of the boys, and they, they come in from the island onto this fisherman's small vessel. Now, what, what the fisherman didn't know is how they got shipwrecked was by stealing the boat. And so they stole a boat and went on this trip. The boat's long gone, and um, the fisherman, the Australian guy, says, well, I'll take you back to Australia first, because that's his place, and then I'll eventually sail you home, but I'll let everybody know that you're here. Went back to Australia, let his island, where he comes from, known. I have the boys. They had already provided, I mean, they'd already done funerals. The boys were dead. They'd long passed. The families have grieved. They were dead. They were gone. And there is footage that they thought, when we get back home, let's film what it looks like for this Australian guy to sail these, these boys back to their island. And as they get close to the island, the beach is flooded with people. Obviously, everybody knew about it, and everybody knew them. And what you see, what, what like moved me as I'm watching it, is the portraits of the, of the parents, but particularly even of the moms, swimming out to the boat as the boat's coming. They couldn't wait on the shoreline to get to these boys and so the families just start swimming even though the boat's coming the boat's coming to the shore it's coming this way and they, they all just jump into the water and so these, these scores of people are swimming out to the boat it's just like I have to get there they couldn't wait and so you hear these portraits of like thinking that the story of the prodigal son is a glimpse of, of something that's um, not possible and then I get these we get these glimpses of these thriving boys that were, in, in many ways, committing their lives to Christ. One of them moved on to become the head of that church in their island at home, became a pastor. Um, the, the Australian man who, was, who saved them, when he brought them back, he didn't realize that he was bringing them back to their, um, to their arrest. The police were waiting for them and sailed them back and arrested them. And the fisherman's thinking, no, 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 wait a minute, this is not what I was hoping for, to bring them back home, and they were all immediately arrested. So what the fishermen did is bought the boat they stole and paid that debt for them and bought that boat for them to basically redeem them out of that and, and speak to the man who has lost the boat from being stolen, saying, I will buy your boat for whatever you think that it's worth now, and which is whatever it would have been before it was wrecked. He then gave these boys a job, and they worked for him for 50 years on his fishing vessel until his death. Ultimately, Australian man had died. And when interviewed both together, you have this islander, uh, he's a grown man now, and a very old, in his 90s, fisherman, and talking to them, saying, you guys don't have anything in common. It's this islander boy and this fisherman man, and what, what is this bond you have? Because they would call themselves best friends now, and... Uh, the old man, He goes, you know, we, um, we don't really have any of our background or upbringing or family or geography or initially even language. We didn't have any of that in common. We have in common the most important thing, though, and it was their bond under Christ. And he goes, what we have in common is our same beliefs in love in justice in humility in mercy and in grace. We have that in common, which is the most important thing. And so the story of what it's like to be redeemed, we get glimpses in humanity that this is the way of the kingdom. And when you get glimpses of it in the world, it's not popular. And this was in 1968, and nobody really knows this story, right? There's an author who wrote a book about it saying, if millions of kids have to read the story of the Lord of the Flies about what humanity is really like and how wretched we are and how things go sideways so fast when we're together, he's saying, we think that maybe the contra-narrative would be something like this, Right? six boys thriving, living in harmony and community, experiencing redemption, grace, and mercy upon their re-entering, that their families running to meet them as they're coming in from the shore. So when we read stories like the prodigal son, we have, I think, all kinds of glimpses around us where God is going, this is what it's like, this is what it's like, this is what it's like. It's possible and real under that Christ-filled community of love what it's like when you introduce love and mercy and selflessness into a community. Um, I, I talked on this weeks ago. I don't think it will ever be popular or all that famous or all, all that bring notoriety. It won't make branches popular, and it won't make you popular, but it's so good when it's done. It's so good. And so these stories I use and use for me to encourage me to be like, it is possible. It is good finding eyes to see that stuff in the world. So instead of becoming the cynic and saying, the world is the worst, because it kind of is, you say, well, yeah. But when, when, when you introduce these aspects that Jesus said, this is the way, he means it. This is the way, and it's better. It's better. So... As you go, may you go in the grace and peace and knowledge of Jesus. May you be empowered to love the way that Jesus has loved us. May we be reminded that we are the ones that the Father has run to and redeemed us from from all of the ways that we feel like we failed ourselves and others and families. And know that God loves you and that here at Branches, we love you. Have a great week.